Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So this morning, um, I'm going to kind of talk about what worship looks like um, inside the church and outside the church. And so it's kind of, it's not just a message on worship, but more like a lifestyle of worship cool y'all with me so just to get things kicked off here i have an awesome um graphic that i have prepared for you guys to explain the versions of worship here so you might find yourself feeling like a rookie and you you put i don't i have on jeggings so i don't have pockets but you know when you're worshiping you you got the flap going on or you're carrying the tv like this and then if you're if it's a big screen you got to Widen it. How many of y'all seen this graphic before? I think it's so funny. And then uh, when you're intermediate, you say, Nathan, my fish was this big. (laughs) What's so funny about this is this is a Christian comedian that made this, but this is so true. I've seen like every single one of these. It's just the names that he puts with them are just so funny. The hold the baby and then the Mufasa. Except I would argue that the Mufasa is more like this. Right? Am I right? Anyways, he got that one wrong. Good try, Tim Hawkins. Okay, and then the dueling light bulbs. The goalpost heartburn. I do all of these. The pointer. The hatchet. The schoolroom. I have a question. Okay, then we're on the expert. And I love that the head is not there because it makes me picture the head being like. Right? Right? Not on the top ones, but on the bottom row, I'm like, yes, the head's fully back. The village people, the Rocky, and the touchdown. Anyway, there are so many different ways that we can worship, and this is just, that was just a fun, fun little thing to to get us started here. But in all serious, everybody this morning, let's all take a deep breath. (sighs) You good? All right. Well, Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So that's all of us. We all just took a breath. We all had the ability to breathe. And so that's us. We're all called. It is a mandate for us to praise God. And so I want you to notice here. I love in scripture. I don't know if they didn't necessarily have punctuation the way we have it or just part of the language barrier. But, you know, we we would put like an exclamation point. But back then they would repeat it like for emphasis. So he's like, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like, do it. You know, I'm not just saying it. I want you to, you know, really live it out. So he's, he's, he's saying it twice. He's saying it and he's demanding it. And it's almost like he's our first worst. I'm sorry. First worship leader. He's telling us, let's, let's everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Okay. Now let's praise the Lord. Right. He's, he's instructing us how to worship. And I just think that that's so cool. David, David is so awesome. So this is the very ending, the very last verse of the whole book of Psalm, which is the biggest book in the Bible, and it's all about worship. And so I think it's pretty cool that he's, even though the whole book was already about worship, he's ending it again with, so if you have breath, praise God. Like every second of your life, as long as you're still alive, praise God. Isn't that awesome? That is such a good challenge to always rem- to remember this. As long as I have breath, that I need to praise the Lord, that that's my mandate. So even though there's countless ways to worship, we saw all the graphics up there. That was just for fun. But there are so many ways to worship God, and, and th- they're touched all throughout the Bible. But um, if you feel like you're at the rookie level, you know, according to that graphic, I'm not going to say, hey, next Sunday you need to be here, like, with your ribbons and all that stuff. I'm just saying, 
let, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to just examine yourself through this and just think about what can I do? What can I do to worship God? What can I do? We should all be worshiping in a way, and it should look like something. Everybody's looks different, and it's not a competition. You know, you're not like over here like this, and then the other person starts lifting their hands, and you know, you're like competing to like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get you. You're stomping, I'm jumping now. You know, like it's not a competition of who can out worship Jesus or anything like that. And and so, but it should look like something. How many of y'all know that when Jesus comes, like if he was to physically come into the room, we wouldn't be like. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh, he's here. What are we going to do? You know, we'd be kneeling or something. You wouldn't just head nod Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is something expressive that has to come out of you to show reverence, to show honor. So how are we worshiping in the church? All right? We're going to just touch. I mean, we're just going to scratch the surface. This is just basic 101. There's there's so many different styles and ways that you can worship God. But we're just going to touch three of them here. Um, worshiping inside the church. The first one is thanks and praise. A lot of times, you know, we start off with like the fast songs and we're like, woohoo, spirit. Oh, wait, I was going to sing spirit lead me. <laughs> Just kidding. Freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we are coming in and we are declaring. And it's almost like like at a wedding when the bride's about to come and then the doors are open and it's like, whoom, here, here it's about to come in. You know, like we are opening up the gate for, for him to, to enter in. And, and Psalms 100 verse, verse 4 says, Enter his gates. Just like I said, we're entering, opening the door. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So that's where we're just, we're just, yes, we're getting there. We're shouting, we're hooting and hollering. We're thanking him, we're praising him. You know, we're letting it all out. And like I said, for some of you guys, that might look different. And that's fine. I'm not asking you to worship the way I do or anything, but how does that look for you? What is, what do you, what do you feel like as a person when you're thanking somebody? If somebody was to do something for you, how would you execute thanks to them? How would you honor them with praise? And, and if you would be more expressive to a a normal person just walking around or to a friend or whatever, how much greater should our thanks be towards God who gave everything so that we could just simply know him? Amen. And so it's not, it's not just a show. It's not for fun. It's not so that, you know, you can act silly. It's, it's simply 100% showing praise and thanks for all that God has done for you. And even if you've had a rough week and the, the praise is not naturally there, even if you come in here and you have a burden on you, first of all, the Spirit of the Lord does bring freedom. Amen. So, but also, even, even if nothing is going your way, even if you're in the middle of the darkest season of your whole life, God is worthy of praise. And at the end of this, we win. We win the battle. We win. The fight is ours. It's already ours. And, and whatever we're walking through now, just praise through it. Just, just like Pastor Josh has been saying, the praise comes before the victory. So many times we think, oh, you know, like, I'm so down, so I just can't praise yet. No, you stink and get there, and you make yourself praise, and you, you get that victory. You get ahead of that battle, and you declare it out. Amen? Amen. So we're going to do that. We are going to honor God with our thanks and praise when we're worshiping here. Secondly, we're going to honor him with reverence. And in Psalms 95, verse 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And, you know, this is something that... We don't necessarily see a lot. Like, I remember when I was growing up, people would, like, come up to the front and kneel down. And I don't know if that's just part of the church that I was in. But it doesn't necessarily 
have to be in front of everyone to see or whatever. And sometimes even now we would sit down in reverence instead of kneel down. But, but don't be afraid to. Don't think that when you sit down or you kneel, sometimes be like, oh, that's it. They blew it last night. They were at the club and they blew it. They're on their face in repentance. No, 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 no. We sometimes are so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that we just have to fall down. Just like, you know, in the old times when the king comes in and everybody was forced to kneel, even if they didn't honor the king, that was what they had to do. We get to kneel. We have the freedom to kneel. We have the freedom to stand up and to clap and to worship him. But we also have the freedom to say, I know that you are worthy. I know that you are the king. And I am choosing to bow down and surrender in awe of who you are. And that's just so good. That's just so good. So I want to encourage you, if you're really just feeling like, ooh, man, what is going on right now? Just sit down for a second, and I'm not going to be looking at you from up here and thinking you screwed up. And if the person next to you is thinking that, then they're not focusing themselves, right? So don't be afraid to just honor God in the way of reverence, whether that's kneeling or whether that's sitting or whether it's, you know, just not necessarily bowing just in your heart. Because I think that even though you feel things in your heart, you should act them out physically as well. if If we leave everything inside all the time, then that's not an expression of worship. That's just a thought of worship. So so I would encourage you to honor God with your reverence if you need to sit down, if you need to kneel, whatever, whatever that might look like. Don't forget to honor him with your reverence as well. And the third thing we're going to touch on this morning is singing. That's what the whole worship set, at least in the church, looks like, right? And in Psalm 66, verse 4, it says, All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Selah. And that's like, yeah, let's do it. So when we come in here, we just are coming in corporately worshiping him. We're singing together. The reason that we have songs and the reason that we put the words up here is so that we can do it together, so that we can come together in unison, in one accord, and we can just, you know, bring heaven and, and demand that his presence come and that he would dwell in this place. You know, just like we, we open the gates with our thanks and praise, right? This is like a process, right? So we open the gates with our the gates with our thanks and praise so that he can come in and then when he's in here we're surrendering and we're bowing and we're declaring how worthy he is and we're singing all together that he would be the focus of what we're doing and that everything else would not matter in that moment and that we would just be in awe of God isn't that so cool isn't that how cool how it kind of like flows together oh man it's so fun I love to worship I just love it I 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 love it and uh it's my favorite thing to do. Y'all probably, are t- you probably don't know that reference anyway. Um, but it's just, it's so good. And there is so much freedom in worship. And I want to just challenge you right now. If you felt in the past, like even if seeing that little graphic, if, if you were like, oh man, that's me. I'm just the TV carrier. That's all I ever do. I just want to challenge you. Step out and step out and do the touchdown, Rocky, whatever, you know? Like, don't just feel trapped where you are because we should constantly be pursuing Jesus because he is constantly pursuing you. He doesn't pull back because of the week that you've had. The light bulbs, yeah, get it. He doesn't stop pursuing you because of the week you've had, so we should not stop pursuing him because of the week we've had. Amen? So good. So these are all forms of worship, and really, like I said, it's just a starting point. There's just... There's just so many ways to worship God. And you might even have all the ways in one worship set. You might have only one. You know, you might just be like frozen and just, 
oh my gosh, this is so good, you know, and just not move. And that might be you, the whole worship set, even when everybody else is like jumping and clapping and you're like, mm-hmm, this is it, this is it, I am here, you know, and, and that's good. And, and your worship doesn't have to look like the person next to you, but it should be something, amen? It should be an expression of love to God because he deserves it, he's worthy, and, and when you begin to, to praise before the battle, and when you begin to make your flesh bow down in reverence to God, you are going to see breakthrough, you are going to see liberty, you are going to uh, have everything that has been circling around you, all the cares of the world, they're just going to crash at the feet of Jesus, amen? So I just want to s- encourage you to, like I said a minute ago, think about so you're thinking about, how do I worship? What does my worship look like? You know, sometimes you might not know because you don't have a mirror in front of you. But you know, for the most part, I'm a clapper or I'm not a clapper or whatever, okay? So how would you show love, parents, to your children? Or if you're married, to your spouse? Or if you're in a relationship, how would you show it to your, you know, your significant other? Don't forget to leave room for the Holy Spirit, though, okay? When you're not married got to leave the room right there for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I'm not kidding, but okay. Um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm a mom. I have four wonderful, wonderful kids, and I just love them so much. And Josh always tells me, well, he was telling me for a while that my third was my favorite. And, guys, it might have been true. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a real struggle. I didn't like it when he said it. But, no, really, he, I don't have favorites. But what it was is it was a baby. And you know a baby? I really don't. I really don't. Because now it would not be your, yeah, she's your favorite. That's okay. But now it would be also, it would be my baby again. Because there's just something about the vulnerability of them needing you. You're the only one they need, you know. So, you know, with my son Uriah, he's 10 months old. And sometimes I just hold him and I just sway him. Even when he's awake, not trying to put him to sleep. But I just tell him I love him like, I don't know, any given day, probably 15 to 30 times. I do. I just, I just do this and I go, I love you. You know, and I just, and that's how I'm showing affection towards him. And it's, or it's a whisper like, oh, I love you, you know? And then sometimes I just want to bounce him on my, on my knee and make him laugh or tickle him. You know, he's going through physical therapy right now and he's had to start wearing some, some sweet Jordans so he can (laughs) strengthen his ankles. But you know, what's funny is he was never ticklish at all on his feet until he started wearing shoes, and he has to wear them all day. So as soon as I take his shoe off and I go to pull his sock, he's like, Ooh, like, and it, he's like, he's forgotten what it feels like to have his foot touched. It's awesome. But, you know, so I love that. And I'm like, Josh, look, he's ticklish, you know, and I'm making him laugh. And that's how sometimes I express my love to him is by making him laugh or, or doing like that. And sometimes he'll fall asleep, and I'll just sit there, and I'll just stare at him. I won't say anything, and all these things just go through my mind. I love you so much. I'm so glad that God gave me to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I just don't even, it's just all in here, you know, it's just like, wow, it's almost like the reverence, like, wow, this is, this is really my kid. God really entrusted you to me, and, and just right there, in just my relationship with my son is similar ways of different expressions for the same thing, my love in different ways. You know, with Josh, sometimes we laugh together. There's this ongoing joke that, you know, who's funnier? And obviously it's me, but, I mean, and especially because he's not here, so he can't even fight for himself, so I win. You know, or sometimes, you know, sometimes when one of us is going through something and we just have to, you know, be there for each other to pull, to pull through the bad times and cry it out and be there to, 
to be the shoulder that we lean on. And how many of y'all know we have an intimate time together with each other that we don't share with anybody else? And that's just like the Lord. When we're before the Lord, there's an intimacy there that nobody knows what it's like between you and the Lord. And there's things that you can and you can surrender to God in worship. There's things that you can work out through worship. And nobody ever would know that you're dealing with that. But God knows perfectly because he is the one that is all-knowing, and, and you can be intimate with him in that way. Isn't that awesome? And we've been recently doing 800 premarital counseling sessions this year because, in case you didn't know, 2015 is the year to get married. So it's, it is October 18th, so in case you haven't got married yet, there's still some time. <laughs> no, but for real, I honestly, I honestly think Josh has done six weddings this year. He's never done that in any year. But anyway, we've been doing lots of premarital counseling. And one of the things that we've talked about when we're doing that is, is the love languages. How many of y'all have heard of the love languages? It's pretty basic. It's just kind of like there's five different ways that you like to give love and receive love. Giving gifts, words of affirmation, quality time, um, physical touch. And I always forget the other one. Um quality oh acts of service thank you thank you thank you we know what yours is I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding um but you know the, the cool thing about God well, with our spouse it's important to know how do they like to receive love and then how do they like to give love like Josh loves to give gifts and he kind of likes it as well so he would always give me gifts for everything gifts 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 and then I would I would be like okay here's your gift and he would he would be like let down and it was because for him that was wow that was how he expressed his love to me but for me that wasn't how I expressed love mine was quality time so I'm like here's your gift that I got from the Dollar Tree and now let's cuddle on the couch and watch a movie you know because that's how I express love and so it is important to know how to communicate love but the awesome thing about God is that he's worthy of all of them and he likes all of them. And you can never express love to God in the wrong way. Is that cool or what? It, as long as you're expressing it somehow, he's not going to be like, sorry, Leslie. Today I am acts of service. Go clean the toilet. You know, not happening. That's not how God is. He receives every form of love every single time. As long as we are expressing it, he's receiving it. And he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. And that's how it is. It's not going to look the same every time. This Sunday you might have been jumping and dancing and next su- and next Sunday you might be in reverence and it doesn't necessarily have to do with what you, what your week was like but just how God has been speaking to you through that week how God is speaking to you right now in this place what you're going through it's going to look different and that's okay all right everyone say that's okay that's okay and I feel like a lot of times Jesus gives me like metaphors or analogies like I'll just be sitting there like I don't know how many of you guys follow me on on uh, Instagram or Facebook, but I currently have a spider in my backyard. It's still there, and I love it. And Josh makes fun of me, and he told me it's my pet. And I told him it's not officially a pet until I'm catching food and throwing it into the web, which I haven't done. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it yesterday because he looked kind of hungry, but I haven't. I haven't crossed the line. But anyway, there's a spider. I'm not even kidding. He's huge, and he makes this intricate web. It's like Charlotte's Web. And it's right outside our window in the living room. So we're, like, watching TV, and then it, like, drops down on its thing, and then it goes crazy, and it makes this huge web. I'm, like, huge, like, real big. And and so, like, the other day, I was I got an analogy or a metaphor off of that. The spider was right in the middle of the web, you know, and it's this web's all huge. And I'm talking the wind is blowing, and the whole web is just, wah, wah. I mean, and the spider's just totally just chill. 
It was right in the middle. And I was like, man, that's, that's how we need to be in God. When the world around us is shaking and the storm is hitting and we can't find any stability, when we're right in the center of God's will, we don't even have to move. It wasn't even moving the spider. The whole web was moving. The spider was chill. Anyway, those are things that go through my head all the time. So I just love it. I love how God, no, it wasn't dead. It's not dead. I was scared it was dead, but it was not dead. It was not dead. My pet spider, Charlotte. Okay. You know, we see Jesus doing that a lot himself in scripture. He uses uh, parables to explain things. And I think sometimes the reason that he, that he does that is because our physical nature needs to have a realistic example to attach to so that the spiritual, which is way more vast, can become made known to us and we can understand it. Does that, does that make sense? No? Nobody? Crickets? Okay. Anyways, so parables, metaphors, analogies. So... I got this one when I was thinking about worship and, and how your worship should be different from time to time and how you should express love to Jesus and not just the same way every time. So I want you to picture that every day for lunch, you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. Or if you're like my son, Judah, he eats a chocolate sandwich. Now that is not a Hershey's bar. That is the glory juice form that is Nutella. So imagine that you have the same, whether Nutella or peanut butter and jelly, whichever is your preference, imagine that you have that every single day for lunch for the rest of your life. First of all, you'd grow bored of it. You would start to skip lunch. You know, sometimes you'd be like, what's for lunch? Uh, peanut butter and jelly. I'm just not going to eat. There would be no expectation for what's coming. And so that's how we get sometimes with worship. If we come in, when we stand there, there's no expectation for God to do anything for you. You know exactly what to expect. Two fast songs, two slow songs, it's over. You begin to skip. You don't even come. Um, worship's my, my, not my favorite part. I'll just, I'll just listen to the podcast later because that's the part I like anyway. So I'll just get the part I like. Come on. Am I being real right now? So we lose the expectation. And, and when we try to try something new, and, and just step out and, and make ourselves start to step out, we realize that we have new pleasures and we begin to crave it. Amen? And there's a new craving in our house lately. And it's a pretty serious problem. It's called Steel City Pops. You got it, Melody. Caleb introduced him to Josh and it's history. You know, Josh was at a pastor's conference this past weekend, and he was so encouraged just to hear from other pastors and see what other people were doing. And so we had a night apart. He sta- it's, it was in Frisco, so he stayed at a hotel. And then he came back, and it was getting towards the night, and he's like, I've got one thing on my mind. And, you know, most of you would think you know what that is, right? And I was like, no. And I was like, this is the funny part. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And he was like, you do? I was like, yeah, Steel City Pop. And he was like, yes. You know, like he, he, there was some in our freezer. He left so he couldn't eat one. And as soon as he got home, he wanted to, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing popsicle. And if you haven't had one, you need to try one. But anyways, Josh did not know how much he loved Steel City Pops until he had one, right? Until he tried it because it was something new and he tried it and now he loves it. But, you know, Back to the, the peanut butter jelly. If you had peanut butter and jelly every day for your life, you would be fed, right? You would have food in your system. But you would begin to be malnourished in the other areas of your life because you would lack 
protein. Well, actually, peanut butter, I think, has protein. Right, but you would lack calcium or you would lack vitamins. Whatever it is that you get from having a variety of food, are you with me? Are you catching this metaphor here? When you eat the same thing over and over and over and over and over, you're going to be you're going to be fed, you're going to have food in your stomach, but you're really going to be lacking in other areas where you need the nourishment from everything. Amen. So I want to encourage you. If you have peanut butter and jelly worship, try some Steel City Pop worship, all right? <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. But really, we never stop learning about Jesus. You know, and Pastor Josh said it in week 1 of the Fascinate series how we see in Revelation that the, that the angels are circling around God, and that they're not bored. You know, that's the thing that's so funny is some people come to church and they're bored in worship. And, you know, if you're in, Josh has said it, and I've said it, if you're bored, you're just not looking. You're just not looking because there is so much to be fascinated by. As soon as you look, you're going to be fascinated. Maybe this week you're coming and you're realizing that God's your healer and you're like, whoa. And then even 30 minutes later, you're like, and, oh, he's my provider, whatever it might be. Th- we'll never stop learning about Jesus. There's never an end point to his greatness. There's never, um, uh, okay, I know everything there is to know about Jesus. It's, it's not, we can't do it. Our minds don't even have the capability. You know, it's like an endless buffet. When we were on peanut butter and jelly, it's like there's this endless buffet over here, only you don't not like anything. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you go and there's like, oh, I don't eat squid, so skip over. No, no, no. With Jesus, it's an endless buffet, and everything's yummy. Amen? It's so good. And so I just want to encourage you guys to just lock, lock in and gaze upon him. Step out in your worship. Try something new. You know, get it down. If you can't worship Jesus in the church, you will not worship Jesus outside of the church. And that's just the truth. And the awesome thing about the Holy Spirit is that he dwells within us. And so we are a traveling temple of the Holy Spirit, taking worship everywhere we go. And, and I think so many times we associate the word worship with music. So I want to just tell you to take that and throw it away. Worship is just a lifestyle of honor and reverence and thanks to Jesus. And songs are sometimes included in that. Does that make sense? Cool. So wherever, wherever you start here, you gotta you gotta get worship down here. However you're doing it here, get it down. Know how to worship. Know how to let snot run down your face if you've had a bad week and you're just like, yes, Jesus. You know, like in that Holy Ghost film, I felt so bad for that Marine. It was just coming out and he didn't care. He's like, yes, Jesus. I'm like, but learn how to do that because if you can't come into this place where people are not or should not be judging you, and know, and know how to worship God you know, unabandoned, how in the world are we going to go outside and love him that way when we know that people are looking at us and criticizing us and critiquing us? So start here, get it down, and take it out. Amen? So the ways that we can worship here in the church are thanks and praise, reverence, and singing. Again, just a scratch of the surface. So now let's talk about outside the church. This is the really good part. We're getting to the nitty-gritty. All right, so it's easy or easier to focus on Jesus when we're here in a corporate worship service. But after this ends, after everything's over and we leave, how are we still continuing our worship with Jesus? How do we extend our worship after church is over? And the first way that we can do that is by giving honor. How many of y'all know that God is always worthy of honor? 
I love the way my husband says it. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. And that's really how we want to be here. We want to honor everybody. If you're above us, if you're beneath us, not that anybody's beneath anybody, but you know what I'm saying. You know, like you would honor a police officer because their authority is above yours, so then you would honor up. And you'd honor on around. And, and God is most importantly worthy of that honor endlessly. Nothing he can do would make him not worthy of that honor. But... um. How do you respond when something good happens? You know, like I said, Pastor Josh was at this this conference this past week, and it is so cool that he goes and gets to be refreshed and stuff. But another cool thing about the conference is they give stuff to the pastors. Lots of books, lots of software, because they want to increase other churches' ministry. And I think that's so cool. Um, and they also usually every year give some type of Apple device. And so um, you might notice... I've got a new thing right here on my wrist. It's a sample, no. It's an Apple Watch! And Josh already had one, but they gave all the pastors, 200 pastors, they gave them an Apple Watch. Is that cool? Because they were honoring, they were honoring the, the office of the pastor. And anyway, so literally in my car, Josh sends me the text of the picture of the box, and he was like, Look what I got. And I knew it was going to be mine because he had one. And so I was like, Yes! Thank you, Jesus! Like in my car. And I'm like, Yes! And Elisa, my sweet, sweet little two-year-old, she goes, you're welcome. <laughs> and, you know, and for a second, and for a second I thought, she thought I was talking to her, but then I was like, but what if God just spoke through her? You know, what if God just wanted to tell me you're welcome? Because I was thanking him. Anyways, so that was really cool. But I did. It wasn't like, yeah, got an Apple Watch. That's pretty cool. You know, no, I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And And I would have done the same thing if I wasn't, by myself, but you may feel like it's cheesy or Christianese to say, thank you, Jesus, but it could also open a door for you to minister to somebody. What if, you know, what if you are out and about somewhere and something good happens? I'm a couponer, you know, if y'all need to work on a budget, get with me. I'll tell you how to, to save. I'm frugal, but you know, sometimes like, I think it was like two weeks ago, like I, we rang up everything and it was like $400 because we had to get some new clothes for the babies and stuff. And I'm like, all right, here's my stack of coupons. And I'm like, Lord, please, please. You know, I was like, hand her the coupons. And she's like, you know, and the amount's just like dropping, 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 dropping. And it comes down to like less than 300. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and some people might look at me and think I'm dumb, but I don't care. God gave me the ability to learn how to do this, to extend my budget, to work for my needs. Amen. And so I'm thankful. And so you never know when you say something like that, they may be like, oh, they're a Christian, you know, and then something else would come of that or or whatever. And even if they do think, oh, you're just silly. Well, who cares? Are you thankful that God did that for you? Are you thankful that he made a way to increase your budget when your budget was smaller? Be thankful for him. Give him honor outside of the church just like you would inside of the church. And and you never know what that could open for you. If you're talking with a friend and they're going through a bad uh, situation or you're talking in conversation, you know, bring it up. You don't have to get your Bible and shove it down somebody's mouth. There's this, just like we begin praise and worship, it just opens the gate. That's all you're doing. By honoring Jesus you're just opening the gate and allowing him. You're saying, come here, God, and do something in this situation. Amen? And the world is expecting you to love Jesus, so love him. They're not going to judge you for loving him. They might judge you for other things, but if we're supposed to love Jesus, 
Let's love him. Let's give him honor in every situation that we come into contact with. Amen? In Psalm 71, 8, it says, My mouth is filled with praise, declaring your splendor all day long. And I love that. You know, that's how we should be. It should be a constant thing that's on our mind throughout the day, you know, if something good happens at work, you know, if you get all the green lights on the way to work and you're not late, thank Jesus for the green lights, you know. Our pastor in Amarillo used to say, you know that you're being um, persecuted when you get all the red lights on the way to work. And I, he was kidding, of course, but I just thought that was too funny. Because we do feel that way sometimes, don't we? Things aren't going our way and we're like, oh, it's just because the devil's a dog. No, it's just because the light turned red and just take the three minutes of the red light to worship Jesus in your car. So don't worry about the small stuff. But we also see in, in Hebrews 13 and chapter 15, it says, through him, let us continually, everybody say continually, offer up a sacrifice of praise. What's a sacrifice? Something that cost you something. So that doesn't mean when you can. When you're here, that's, that's you know, 20 25, 30 minutes dedicated to worship. But a sacrifice of praise is when it costs you something. When you're in something else, in the middle of another routine, and you add it in, that's a sacrifice. Okay, let me start over, because I lost my spot. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That's so cool. That means, like, out loud. Not just, like, in your mind, I saved $99 with coupons inside. Thank you, Jesus. No, it says right here, the fruit of your lips that you would acknowledge him. Thank you, Jesus, because I didn't have $400 to spend. So thank you for my coupons. I'm the coupon lady. Anyways, so a lot of times you as an individual are the only church that people will see ever, ever, ever. If, if they hate God or they've been burned or they heard somebody else and they think Christians are a hypocrite, you are the only Jesus the only church, the only example that people are going to see. So what are you showing them? Are you showing them that you're honoring God outside of the church as the same as you are inside the church? Are you acting good outside of the church as you are inside the church? You know, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Be real. Be real with yourself. And if you're not there yet, then realize it and start. Amen? No judgment here. I'm just saying, let's get there. Let's get there. And that leads into the second way that uh, we, we can worship outside of the church is how do we treat others? How are we treating others? Whoa, that's a tough pill to swallow. Come on. Me too. Let's just be real. Like I said, I'm a mama four, and some days mama bear comes out, and I need to hold that, that down. But how are we treating others? I want you to try to imagine yourself being here in a corporate worship service, and, you know, somebody accidentally, like, bumps you or like say for example in traffic you got cut off so say somebody accidentally bumps you would you be like are you kidding me you know what i'm saying like could you picture yourself doing that like jerk gosh i was worshiping here and you bumped me you messed up my flow i gotta reopen the gate you know like it doesn't work that way we would not act that way to somebody in this place during worship would we come on be real would you do that if you did, well, hopefully you wouldn't. <laughs> hopefully. I know some other churches, they get mad if you s took their seat, but, you know, here we don't care about that. Anyway, <laughs> so how are you treating others? Would you, if you wouldn't picture yourself doing it in here in a corporate worship setting, then you probably shouldn't do it outside when you're not because that's not a good representation of Jesus. Amen? We only see Jesus get really mad in scripture once and it was when people were misusing his temple and the and the house of god so 
every other time he was he was cool calm and collected and loving so are you being loving are you being kind are you being compassionate are you representing jesus well to the world ouch come on we've all not represented jesus well at least once right let's be real let's just be real it happens we lose our cool yesterday we were at it's so funny because i already had my sermon finished and last night josh and i went out to eat with a group on again and and I don't know I felt so convicted afterwards because of course I had already prepared this sermon and I, I didn't even look at the the menu because it's a place we had eaten at a bunch and so the lady was like how can I help you I was like um let me get the red enchiladas and she leans in and I said red enchiladas you know and then she was like green and I was like so I'm like, the red enchiladas, like cheese enchiladas, like with red sauce. And she's like, with beef? Like, I'm like, what is happening here? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, am I speaking another language? Like, can she not hear me? And she keeps like leaning in closer every time. So then she's like this. And I'm like, red enchiladas? <laughs> you know? That's, I just want just tortilla, some cheese, roll it up, pour some red sauce on that bad boy. You know, but anyway, so, and then as she's walking away, I was like, was I speaking alien? And I felt so, so bad. Immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me because I didn't realize she was still walking away and she could have really heard me. And that was so uncool, guys. That was so uncool. And I wasn't even trying to like be mean to her, but it was just like in my situation, I was like, what was that? You know, but that totally could have hurt her. I don't know what kind of day she had. Maybe she has hearing problems. And I just blew, blew an opportunity to love her like Jesus would. You know what I'm saying? And that broke my heart. And Josh was like, I, you know, when I told him, I was like, did I speak alien? And he was like, dang, Leslie, that was uncool. And I was like, Phew. you know, because I don't mess up guys hardly ever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But when Josh actually tells me, like when he actually like corrects me or something, I'm like, whoo, man. Like I knew even before Josh said something, I was like, dang it. How am I treating others? Whew. And I repented to the Lord. And just letting y'all know, we're pastors are real people. Amen. And if they tell you they're not, then they're lying to you. And then that makes them even more of a real person. But anyway, how are we treating others? Are we treating them the way Jesus would? Are we representing Jesus well? And this is part of the reason that Christians have such a bad rap in general. Because we call ourselves Christians, and then we're nasty to people. Why is that? Why are we so nasty? That, I mean, there should be no reason for us to treat anybody else less than us, not worthy of our time, think that we're better than anybody, because we are all all needing a savior right you know like the josh hates the bumper sticker sinner saved by grace but it's true but that shouldn't be your banner once you're saved that should not be your banner okay so if you have that bumper sticker outside i won't look after service just go pull it off and we'll give you an overflow sticker to cover it up okay no i'm just kidding but but in all seriousness that's why the the church has such a bad rap because we're nasty we're nasty people come on aren't we we're, we're not loving like Jesus should love. And so we got to start somewhere. So let's just start with how we treat others because it's got to, it's got to start somewhere. It's got to flow out of a heart of love. So, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's love. Amen. You want to love with me? 
All right. Well, we see here in James uh, chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Josh does this, but I, I would break my finger if I did. I'll do this. I'll break my finger. Anyways, this is so true. We come in here and we worship, we worship, we worship, and then we go eat at a restaurant and we, we bash on our waitress. I, I mean, I did it. Why are we doing that? That should not be the way that we live. We should always be having positive things come out of our mouth. And I know we're going to mess up, but let us, let's try to let that not be the norm. Amen? Let's declare that we will not let that be our norm. So, you know, Billy Graham, so awesome. So, such a godly man. He said it this way. You know, speaking of Billy Graham, he is like one of the only figures of our time that has been consistent and he hasn't had a moral failure and he just loves Jesus and he's still pe- a, a voice that, that politicians and people like that will listen to. Isn't that cool? That we would all be that way. Amen. Well, Billy Graham said it this way. The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. How can we serve the world? How can we show the love of Jesus to the lost and the dying? How can we, how can we do it? And again, the world is expecting you to be a Christian. They're expecting it. So they're expecting you to treat them nicely. They're expecting you to love them. They're expecting you to ask to pray for them when they, you know, are lacking. So let's do it. Let's be the, let's be the church to the world. Amen? Let's represent Jesus rightly. Let us do it, all of us, together. Challenge accepted. Okay, and the last way that we can worship outside of the church, remember we talked about giving honor to Jesus and to other people, treating other people the right way. And the last one is in our thoughts. Woo, the battlefield of the mind right here. What is getting our worship inside? Come on, let's be real. How many of y'all right now were thinking about The Walking Dead? Comes on tonight, new episode. The struggle's real, guys. How many of y'all were thinking about it is five minutes till lunchtime? I mean, come on, right? Honest, there's constantly something going on in your brain, and if you're a woman, it's like 80 times more than a guy. Like a guy's like, it's almost lunchtime, and that's the end of it. And a woman's like, ooh, it's almost lunchtime. Maybe I can make baked potatoes. Oh, but I don't have any cheese, so maybe I shouldn't make that. Maybe then I'll make pasta. You know, I'm just telling you. Women, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So anyways, what is getting our worship? How do we know this? What is going through our mind? What consumes our mind? I'm not talking about if you have a bad thought and you bring it into captivity. That's what the Bible says, that any, mind that, any thought that comes into your mind that you would make it, oh, pull it captive and make it into the obedience of Christ. So I'm not talking about that. But what is continually in your mind and what are you allowing to continually be in your mind? You know what I'm talking about? Sports. I don't know if the Cowboys are playing today, but, you know, oh, Broncos go, Okay. Anyways, is that consuming your mind? You know what I'm saying? Not that sports are bad, but is it consuming your mind? Have you, have you taken a person, a friend, or um, a, a reality star or a celebrity, and are they constantly on your mind? Are you always thinking about that person? Has your job become a, 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 a worship to you? You're like, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, and you're like addicted to work, you know, or fear. How many of you guys know the struggle is real with fear? Like, I don't have enough to provide for my bills. I don't have this or whatever. And, and we choose to let that be what we think about. But we need to train our brains to think of Jesus first. Right? 
first. It's, we live in this world, and we have this physical body, so naturally everything that we think of first is the flesh. Like we have a headache, we know that Advil fixed our headache, so we take an Advil. But would we get to the point where, not that you can't take Advil, amen? Thank God that he gave somebody the ability to create Advil. But what is on our mind first? What is the first thing we think of when we have a situation? Let it, let it be Jesus first. Let him honor, let us honor him in our thoughts that he would be the first on our mind. When we are sick, let us remember that Jesus is the healer. When we lack finances, let us remember that Jesus is our provider. When we lack peace, let us remember that Jesus is our comforter. There, it isn't, you know, it isn't natural. It doesn't come first, like I said, because our flesh is stronger. But we get there by exercising our spirit and reminding ourselves and training ourselves to rely on Jesus in every, in every facet of who he is. Like I said, he's the provider. He's the healer. He's the comforter. He's the best friend. He's whatever, the companion. He's everything that we need and more, more than enough. And so we just have to get to where we are reminding ourselves that and exercising our spirit to become stronger. And then it will be first nature, right? Yeah? We get to that point where it was hard, and now it's not hard. So in Psalm 104, 34, it says, May my meditation, which is what, what we think about, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. And I love that right there. There was like, you know, I usually read the, the NLT, but this one was in the NIV, so I, I like the way it said this. It says, as I rejoice. So even when you're going about your daily routines, may our thoughts be pleasing to him as worship, as we rejoice, as a life of worship to him. And that's, that's just so, so good. It's just, that's just where I want to live. Nathan, you want to come up? That's just where I want to live. M- amen? Do you want to live there in a, in a place of continual worship? You know, worship is like a conversation with Jesus that never has to stop. Amen? It's like when church is over, the, the gate didn't shut if you don't want it to. Some people get up and they shut that gate and they leave and then they do whatever the heck they want, and then they come back in here with the guilt or whatever from how they were acting. But you don't have to let that gate shut. Just let it be open. Let God talk to you when you leave here. Let God minister to your waitress through you because you love people the way that Jesus loves people. And some people don't go to church, so they won't know about the love of God until somebody shares it with them. Amen? And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be loving the world outside of this building the way that we love each other inside of this building. And it sounds so simple, but that's a big weight. How many of y'all know it's hard? It's hard to step out of your comfort zone. You know, I can lead worship in front of a big crowd. I can speak in front of a big crowd. But going up to somebody one-on-one and facing the possibility of rejection, whoo, that's hard for me. That's so hard. And... But I want to be there. You know, we have an awesome friend that's hopefully moving out here soon, the, the Franklins, the family. He's ministered here before. And he prays for people everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes. And, and he, he started vlog, vlogging about it. And I'm just so like, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that. And, you know, you might think, you're a pastor. Don't you do that all the time? No, I don't. But I want to. I want to go up to strangers and ask to pray for them. And, and I've started doing it. And I'll tell you what, the first time I did it, I was like, and Jesus, we thank you that um, Father God and Jesus and um, you are good. And we know that Jesus God, you know, and I was like, I was awful. I don't even know if I made any sense. But I stepped out. And I know that the next time I did it, it was better, right? 
and then I wasn't nervous the next time. And so what if they reject you? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Father, and He's already taken all the rejection. So we just have to not care if we're rejected. We have to love people the way Jesus loves them outside. We've got to start loving the world the way that Jesus loves them because if not, they're never going to come. They're going to think we hate them. They're going to think they're not good enough, and they're not going to feel the love of the Father. Amen? And don't you want everyone to feel the love of the Father? Man, if everybody only knew how much they were loved. God, let us know how much we're loved by you. Worship is a conversation that never has to end. In service and out of service, let let it be a continual conversation, a meditation, a praise and honor of glory to God, declaring his worth. You know, it's like nowadays when we have cell phones and we can text people that live states away. It doesn't have to end. You can just talk to them anytime you want. It's just continual. <sighs> so in closing today, I just want to read this to you guys from Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 11 through 16. It said, Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were then buried outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go to him outside the camp, outside of this place, and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to the home that is yet to come. So therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So good. Amen. I love that it talks about Jesus dying outside the camp. Because so many of us think that the ministry of Jesus just happens right in this in this four walls. But Jesus went outside. And we need to go outside, and we need to love on people the way that Jesus loves on them so that they realize that they are loved, that they find their worth, and so that they want to come and seek him more. You know, like I said, you don't have to take the Bible and cram it down their throat. You don't have to, you know, be over the top and using all this vernacular that they don't even understand. But when you love people the way that Jesus loves them, they have a thirst and a hunger for more. They begin to crave that love, that acceptance more, and then... You know, when, you're, when you invite them or when they ask you where is your peace coming from or whatever, then that opens the door for you to be able to minister to them, to be able to speak the love of Jesus to them. And, and you kept yourself in a, in a good spot to where you didn't offend them. You know, to, and I'm not saying that you need to leave here this place and do it every single day, but you might have a relationship at work or um, at the store, your same reg, uh, cashier register every day or something. And maybe you've treated them bad in the past, but start today. Start honoring them. Start using thank you, Jesus, when you get a deal. Start telling them the story about how you got healed from when you were sick, whatever it might be. Honor God in your life outside the church and just watch how God uses it. You know, so many times we feel like we're not qualified. We're not a minister. That's the pastor's job. But if you would just start to honor God when you leave this place, just watch him show off and use you as a mouthpiece and as a tool to reach his children that are lost and that he loves. Amen? So let's all 
take that challenge, myself included. Let us love God outside of this building the same way that we love him inside this building. Amen. Amen.